Instagram thing about Enneagram 3, and she says, look what I did. Did, did. did you see what I did? Because the Enneagram 3 is very much about performance. It's about being this high achiever and this performance, and did you see what it was that I did? And she is, an, she is absolutely a high achiever. You have her on any kind of project or a team, she is bringing her A game for sure. You want her on your team. I don't care what team it is, you want her on your team. And so she was joking about that, about, hey, this is what happens when we're not very healthy. And I love that because my hope, our hope here is that we, again, we don't get fixated on the behavior we don't get fixated on the uh, labels, but that we can actually start having some healthy conversations in our inner self, with the Lord, and with each other about what it is that we're doing, but more importantly, where is it coming from? We want the soil to be good, right? Has anyone ever done any gardening here? Okay, where we used to live, the house that we're in, that we have now, um, has a smaller plot of yard, but the first house, when we moved out to the Inland Empire, we're not actually from the Inland Empire, we're from the San Fernando Valley, um, and I grew up in the Valley Girl age, you anyone remember that? Okay, do you see the movies and all that? No, seriously, that was me, I grew up in that, the whole 80s thing, for sure, all of that, all of it. So. You know, when we moved out here, the, the first house that we purchased was older house, large property. You know how that goes, right? Newer house, smaller property, right? So we had this large property, and I, would, and I don't really have a green thumb, but I was growing all kinds of things. I had a garden. I had cauliflower that was massive. Like, you just kind of tossed it over to the neighbor. Here, you want some? Like, huge. That was because the soil was so rich. It was so good. Even though I don't have a green thumb and I have to have artificial plants in my house because I will kill them, I had this beautiful garden. And the soil being rich and good did most of the work. That's what we're trying to get at. By looking at the motives behind what we're doing, we're looking at the soil and is it rich? And if there's some things that are going on, some imbalances, we can add the nutrients to that. We can till the ground. Holy Spirit can come in and, and insert what needs to be inserted and take out what needs to be taken out. He's wanting to do the work. Amen? Okay. So Enneagram 3, the performer, the achiever, the motivator. And I like all three of those titles because I think they do speak to when we're maybe not in the most healthy of places, but what a three could look like. Threes are, can be very much a motivation. My friend who is a three and she's a high achiever and she works hard, anything that she does is gonna be 100%. She motivates me in so many different ways. I'm gonna point this out as we keep going. So some of the blessings that come with a type three. You guys are efficient. You are practical. You are confident. You come in with that mindset, we're gonna win. We're gonna do this. Anyone involved in sports, you want a three on your team. You want them on your team. Energetic. Oh, my goodness, she has a lot of energy. You reflect God's hope. Where the rest of us maybe see the roadblock, you threes, you look at, okay, who's taking it down first? Who's going to be able to take it down the most efficiently, the most practical way? And where we, the rest of us, may be a little like, oh, but there's a roadblock. We've got to find another way. They see that as a challenge, an opportunity. Those are the threes. They can adjust, they're not limited to what they see in the world. They set and follow through with goals and they rise to challenges. 
with type threes, when they set a goal, they're going to follow through. And they're going to challenge you. And this is one of the things that I like about her. Because I'm going to set these goals. And we talked about type twos last week. And remember I said, I'm a type two. And one of the questions that came up in one of the groups was that, you know, can you be so busy going around helping people that you don't actually get things done? And that was a really good question because the answer is yes. You can be so busy helping, you don't actually get things done, or you don't do them well because you are so just drained and spread out. So what can happen is that I can have these goals that I put in place, but as a type two, if I'm not very healthy, I'm so spread thin helping other people, I'm not meeting these goals, well, my type three friend is gonna come in because she's the type, if you set a goal, I already know if I tell her this is a goal, she's gonna come and she's gonna like, so what, are we doing this or what, girl? You set a goal, are we doing this? And I love that, and I invite that into my life because I don't want to just set goals and never follow through. So are you beginning to see, we're only on the third type, are you beginning to see how each of the personality types, we come and we help each other. This is the body of Christ, and we bring these blessings, and if we can be open to this with each other, understand where each other's coming from, because I could take that from her of like, why are you pushing me? But see, that's not what she's trying to do. It's coming from a completely different place. Her way of thinking is, well, if you set a goal, you follow through. Does that make sense? Okay. So here are some challenges that come. I see a lot of you fanning in here right now. Is it, is it, is it a little warm for you? All right. Challenges. <laughs> or is what I'm saying really hitting a button right now? <laughs> Okay, challenges that come with the three. Um, for threes, okay, here's where you brace yourself. Sometimes you can be a little too focused on your image. Now, again, the other personality, some of us can struggle with that as well, is just coming from a different place. Remember, what's motivating? So they can be too focused on their image. They have a very strong need to win, which means that you may not lose very gracefully. You have a very strong need to win, or you're looking for the excuses why you didn't win, or you want a retake, or can we watch the replay on the video? I need to win. You have a very strong need to win. You may not know when or how to stop working because you're just so driven. High achiever, you just got to keep grinding. It's all about the grind, right? All about the grind. It may be difficult to name or access their feelings because you're so driven by the performance, that is now feeding something within you, and that's making it difficult for you to actually figure out what's happening inside and what you're feeling. Um, deceptive. Now, it doesn't mean that you're lying. It just means that you have created an image around your achievements, so you're not able to actually be real with yourself and see yourself exactly where you're at. You think you're doing great. Well, that's because you're measuring your achievements. So you're, there's a deception that's happening with yourself about how you're really doing. Uh, vain, narcissistic, and competitive. Again, this is the challenges. This is if you're unhealthy because all of the attention is coming on yourself. So here's what's happening. Threes, they, somewhere along the line, they got a lot of praise for their achievements. And somewhere in there, they took that praise as being loved. 
And so now they're working, and they're working hard, and they need to keep achieving, they need to keep performing, they need to keep winning so they can get that attention because that attention is speaking to them, I am loved and I am worthy to be loved. The truth is, where does our worth come from? It comes from Christ, right? It doesn't come from our achievements. But somewhere along the line, that message got confused. And so they're working so hard for their achievements. And so if that's your source of love, then you have to keep performing, right? You got, you got to keep getting the 4.0s. You got to keep hitting the home runs or, you know, I don't know much about baseball, but I hear there's this thing called no hitters, right? Is that a thing? Okay, funny story. Our family is a soccer family, Barcelona fans. If you're Real Madrid, I'm sorry. We're Barcelona fans. We're not baseball people. And years ago, I got tickets. It was a company I was working for, and I was given two tickets to a Dodger game. Yeah, Dodger game. Because I remember we were really excited to try Dodger dogs, because we've been hearing all this stuff about Dodger dogs. We try the Dodger dogs, and we're sitting through the game. Okay, and if you're a, if you're a baseball person, please don't, don't hurt me. It was so boring. And we just we didn't understand anything. And I can't see the ball. And like, what? You know, what's going on? And then we leave. And I go back to work. And the guy I work with, he's a total baseball, like, oh my gosh, total baseball fan. And he was fuming because he thought for sure I would have given him and his fiance the tickets since we weren't baseball people. And it turned out it was a no-hitter. And it was like, I guess it doesn't happen very often. We had no idea. Like, oh, what is that? And it just made it even worse for him. It was just terrible. You know, so, you know, you got to be that person as a three, a no-hitter, and I got to do all this stuff because that's going to be how I'm loved. And so you're constantly having to put yourself out there. Imagine how exhausting that is. You have to always be on your A game. Okay. So here's a story in the Bible that we can unpack a little bit. It's in Mark chapter 10, and it's about the rich young ruler. It says here, as he was setting on a journey, a man ran up to him, Jesus, and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit an eternal life? What do I need to do? Now, that's a legitimate question. Remember, whenever you're reading scripture, you have to take it through the context of that time, not our context but the context of that time. And during that time, everything was very much about following a set of standards and rules and all. So it was a legitimate question. What do I need to do? And so he's asking the Lord this. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Little hint there. No one is good except God alone. He could already tell where this rich young ruler was coming from. It was about the performance. It was about the achievements. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. I have achieved all these things. I got all the awards I can show you from kindergarten on. I was like top of my class. I was valedictorian of my preschool class. I had it all. I got it, right? And he's telling him this. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. He felt a love for him. Did he judge him? Did he condemn him? Did he say, oh my goodness, when are you going to get this? I'm so exhausted right now. He felt a love for him. That's what we want to do for each other. 
We are all at some point in our life going to find ourselves in a place that is not quite healthy. How do we respond to that person when they're not in a healthy place? With a love for them. So Jesus says he felt a love for him, and he said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But at these words, this man, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. This was the one thing that was going to be hard for him to do. The one thing, place that he would not be able to achieve. And so he walked away. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Was this about money? No. Money's not the issue. Possessions are not the issue. It's bondage to it. That's the issue, but not the money, not the possessions. They were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. See, this rich young ruler, he just stopped short. He was on the right path. He was asking a very legitimate question. How do, I, how do I earn this? Because that's all he knew. So it was a legitimate question. Jesus challenged him. The one thing that he could not achieve. And the rich young ruler, he became sad and grieved. I can't achieve that. And so he walked away. The disciples, they kept asking. Well, then how can you be saved? He kept asking. They kept asking. And the answer here was God saying, was Jesus saying, that in and of ourselves as people, this can't happen only with God. Lay all of this down. It's only with God that this is going to happen. You see that? It wasn't about the possessions. It was about reaching that place for threes. You reaching that place to your very end where you cannot make this as an achievement. And you lay your life down. And just like that last song said, I give it all to you. I give you my hands, I give you my feet, I give you my very breath. It has nothing to do with what I can achieve. Now, does being a high achiever, is that something wrong? Absolutely not. I mean, I look, you look back in history and these brilliant minds have come up with things like blood transfusions. Who isn't happy that we don't have, we have, we don't have that discovery of that? or going to the moon, or understanding what the planetary system looks like, or understanding ocean life, or some of the amazing pieces of art that we have. Those were brilliant minds, right? There's nothing wrong with being a high achiever. It's what is motivating you to do it. What is driving you to do that? Let me tell you, we need brilliant minds in science that are also madly in love with God. We need brilliant minds in our classrooms, in our classrooms that are madly in love with Jesus. We need brilliant minds, brilliant players out in, in sports that are crazy in love with the Lord. There is nothing wrong with being a high achiever. The question just needs to be, what is driving you?
the why. Okay, so for the threes, your core fears is being incompetent, inefficient, and worthless. That is the fear to your core of just not being efficient in what you're doing. And somehow that translates to you that you're worthless. Because if I can't do this well, I am worthless. If I'm not successful, you're not going to love me. That's that inner voice that's speaking that to you. If I'm not successful, I am not going to be loved. I'm not going to be worthy of love. I have to get to this title. Now, let me tell you, when it comes to three, it, can, it looks different. And a lot of that has to depend on how you were raised, what were the values in your home, your family culture, sometimes your ethnic culture, your church culture. A lot of that influences it. Let's say you come from a family of people who are all in the medical field. That's going to have a huge influence. You come from a family of educators. You come from a family where everyone's involved in sports. That has a in in ministry as well. I'm a preacher's kid. And if you have where everyone's in ministry, and then let's say, you know, mom was involved in 10 ministries, then I got to be in 11 because I got to carry the legacy, right? No. Because maybe mom wasn't supposed to be in 10 ministries, or maybe she was called to be in 10 ministries, but what's God's call on my life? Maybe it's not 10, maybe it's one. And if I can get outside of that and really release all of this and not allow it to be about achievement, then I can invite Holy Spirit to come and say, what do you have for my life? And whatever that looks like in whatever season, I can be content. And I know that that is success because I'm on my number. I am where I'm supposed to be. My our youngest son had time trials today and um, last week. They're getting ready to start their track season, and he's in high school. And, um, and it's great that they do this as a scrimmage because they get all the jitters out of, like, the baton and what lane they're in. And I'm watching them fumble over putting the blocks down. It's like, you guys have done this before. But, you know, they're getting those nervous jitters because it's getting time to compete, right? And, and it's really exciting because I competed as well. And so you just kind of start to feel it again. And, but I got to remember real quick, I cannot get out on that track. It will not look pretty. It will so not look pretty. You know, but he's out there and everything. And I'm hearing them yell back and forth. What lane am I supposed to be on? What lane are we going to be in? And, you know, and what heat are you in? They're trying to get on their number, right? We have to get on our number and be content with that. And it has nothing to do with an image or looking at the lane to the left or to the right. You run your race. Eyes forward and you run your race. Okay, core desire or need for the threes is to feel worthwhile, accepted, and desirable. You're wanting to feel worthy. You're wanting to feel like you have some level of achievement in your life. Poor weakness or challenge or what we would call the deadly sin for the threes is deceit. We talked a little bit about that. It's hard to face the truth in your life because you're so clouded by all these achievements. It can be really hard to now look inward and see, okay, what is really going on in here? It's going to take a little bit of help, and I would even venture to say it's going to take a little bit of outward help, and that can be a challenge. Having someone else say, hey, this is what I'm seeing in you. Something that I used to do would be to ask someone, and I was, I want to, if you're going to do this, be very prayerful about it. Be wise about it. Set some ground rules before you do this. 
and asking someone and giving them permission to actually tell me what do they see in me. Someone that I would consider a close friend. What do you see in me? Because I can have one view of myself, but when you're in the middle of something, it's a little hard to have clear vision, right? So allowing someone else to speak what they see. Now, if you do that, I want to encourage you that when you do that and they say something that maybe you don't like, do not rip their throat out. Because if you ever ask them to do that again, will they do that again? Oh, no, they're going to run so fast the other way. You take what they say, and I would say you don't even have to receive it completely in that moment. You can just take what they say. You take that to the foot of the cross. If you have a mentor or a spiritual director or counseling, take that there and unpack it. And what is truth is what you will receive and you work on. And what you feel is not, you let it fall to the ground and it's rendered powerless. But it's a challenge to have someone else speak that into you. Uh, challenge or weakness, they find, you find your security in your accomplishments. Psalms 119 verse 29 says, keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. That's definitely a prayer. Keep me from lying to myself. I don't want to get this mesmerized by all of my accomplishments and, and think that I'm okay because of my accomplishments. I really want to see the root. I want to see the soil, Lord. I want to see what's in there. Um, and they have a need to avoid failure. So what could happen is that they may not engage in certain things that they don't have a certain level of expertise in because they could possibly fail. And that would be horrible and painful. So they need to avoid failure. A core longing of this three is that you knowing that you are loved just by being you. I absolutely, I love my friend. We've been friends for, for years now, and we've gone through some life, and we've gone through some bumps in the road, and we've cried with each other, we've cried for each other, we've laughed together. You know, I, she's, she's such a wonderful friend. And I know I can count on some really wonderful things about her personality. But I love her for her. She can come up with a grand plan for things. Uh, when we go out for my birthday, she'll plan like a day of things. And she'll be the one that has the itinerary. I don't have to think of it. You know, she has all of those pieces together. But if it doesn't all work out, and hey, let's just pick a random place to eat or have some coffee, it's okay. I just get to spend time with her because I love her. And it's great, her level of achievement and the way she drives, that I love her as a person. And for threes, they need to be reminded of that. Your growth stress lines as a three. So as a three, when there's a stress that's there, or maybe you're not as healthy, what you do is you take on the behavior of an average to unhealthy nine. I know we haven't talked about the nines yet, but the nine, which means that you may start to procrastinate, you have lower energy, you start to get a little bit um, um, apathetic to other people and to your work. Here's what's happening. Because you're not in a healthy place inside, you're actually starting to shut down. And so you're just not, you're just not motivated. And just the things around you just start to pile up. That's when you start to tell that you're not in the healthiest of places. And again, this is what helps when we start to understand personality because we look at the behaviors. So 
my husband and I were talking recently, and I was telling him, you know what, I, I think I need to navigate some things on my calendar. It's been a really busy season. And I knew it was going to be, but there's some other things that, like, popped up, and this is a little, this is a, it'll been a little bit busier, and I need to guard my space. I kept saying yes to some things. I need to pull back. And one of the ways that I could tell was that things were getting a little disorganized around me. You know, I'm going to let you in to my home a little bit. You can really tell if all of a sudden I'm not hanging up my clothes. All my clothes are ending up on the floor in a pile somewhere because I'm just getting disorganized. And I can tell when things are to get disorganized, the kitchen counter, things are getting put away. Oh, that's what it is. Now, I don't believe in having a cookie cutter house where everything has to look like it came out of a Martha Stewart layout. That would drive me insane. My house looks like it's lived in. But there is a certain level of it being organized and things put away. And I could tell as a sign, as an outward sign, that there were some inner things that I need to settle myself a little bit because I have a pile of laundry that's not getting put away. And I keep adding to that, and it's not getting put away. And the counter is becoming a little cluttered, and my desk is a little cluttered. And when I come home from with my book bag, I'm not taking it upstairs. It's just staying downstairs. That clutter adds to my frustration. I need to set some time aside and just get quiet with the Lord. It helps me when I can pick up on those outward signs that there's an inner thing that needs to happen. And it's, it's very simple, right? It's just being aware of that. Okay, so that's the stress for the night. For threes, when you're in a growth place and you're, you're really healthy, you're going to take on the behaviors of what a healthy six would look like. And that would be that you're more committed to the group, family, friends, people. You're more committed to actual people than you are the project or the sense of I need to accomplish, I need to achieve, so I'm going to drive. And if that means I lose connection with people, so be it. But when you're in a healthy place, it's more important to you that you keep that connection with people. You still are probably a high achiever, but you're okay if it's not the highest of achievements because you're valuing that connection with people more. You value the interest of others. You're more in touch with your feelings, and you become a little bit more comfortable with being vulnerable. The threes somewhere, they heard the message that the whole feeling thing, that just gets in the way. You just got to drive. You got to push. And when you're in a healthier place, you really start to understand the importance of doing that inner check and saying, okay, how am I feeling right now? What is my thought process like right now? Okay, now wings. Remember we talked about wings? So wings for a three. If you're a wing, whatever your wing is, whatever your number is, your wing is either to the right, directly to the right or the left of your number, you would be one or you could be two of them. If you don't know how to figure out your wing, just as a reminder, one way that you can do that, when you took the test, you came out a certain number, right? I came out a two. My wing would be a, um, a one or a three. So I'm going to go down the list. I'm going to look for one. I'm going to look for three. And whichever one came out higher, that could be a, a clue that that's my wing, all right? So for threes, your wing is either a two or a four. So if you have a two wing, then your other side of your personality is that you are a little bit more sensitive to feelings of others, and you're more generous with your time and your resources, and you can focus more on helping others in their professional and personal lives. That's the other side of your personality. Doesn't mean you live there. 
It just means that you can be connected to that a little bit more. Now, if you're a four-wing, then you're more in contact with your own feelings, willing to engage in emotional conversations with others, and you may engage in some artistic expression. Again, this is just the other side. You don't live there, but you can definitely connect to that a little bit easier. So those are your wings. The three is in the heart triad, the feeling triad. So what this means is that the primary center of the three is doing and thinking. The challenging area for the three is the feeling part. Because you're really driven to achieve, it can be a little harder to get connected on how you're feeling inside. I am trying to be a high achiever because I need to feel loved. I need to do this, I need to accomplish this because I need to feel accepted. And this is the only way that I can see that I will be accepted. Here's, here's the challenge that comes with that. You take someone, you know, I think of high school, I've worked a lot with young adults and you know, our three kids, we have two young adults and one high schooler now. And so I, you know, I, I've worked a lot with them and what you tend to see is like you have kids that are going through high school and they're high achievers, right? Valedictorian or amazing grades, GPAs, like they're just awesome. Or even like at a sport, like my son right now, our son, our youngest son, he's just like, oh my goodness, he's just tailing it down that track. He even told me today that he had to race the 200 and, he, and we need to leave early so that he could get to his youth group. And he said, uh, what was it that he said? He said, oh my goodness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win and dip or something like that. Like, you know, they have a lot of showmanship that goes into sprinters, and he definitely has that. And he, and he did. He won. Like, he's just super fast, really good. Let's say he got a scholarship. Someone else, they get a scholarship for whatever, right? They get into a really good school. Well, everyone else had to get to a certain level to get into that school, right? Or to get those kinds of scholarships. So where they were this high achiever and they stood out in high school, is that going to be the same when they get to college? Now they become one of many. And what does that do to them? That can be really hard for them to wrap. If they feel that their acceptance and their love comes from being this high achiever, that can wreak havoc on them. Once they get into a situation where now they're with all these other high achievers, and now they become one of many. And now I gotta drive even harder to stand out from that crowd. It never ends, because there's always gonna be somebody better. It just never ends. Now, a healthy way would be to use that as a motivation to keep working, but hey, if I'm not at the top of my class, that doesn't mean I'm not loved. That would be a healthy way of navigating that. If I don't get all A's, well, I can healthy, in a healthy way look at, did you give it all you had? Yes, you did. If my son loses a race, did he give it all that he had? Did he put it all out there? Did he leave it all out in the track? He used the right form. He was eating well. He went to sleep when mom and dad told him to go to sleep before the race. He did all the right things. That day, that guy was better. Okay, that has nothing to do with my identity. We'll race again another day, and that's okay. You see the difference? Being motivated and having that help? Okay, spiritual formation. 
some Bible verses that could be good to contemplate for the three. First Corinthians says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I can have all these abilities, but I don't have this love, this emotion, this feeling, this connection with people. What's the point? Because our whole existence and following after Christ has to do with people, right? So what's the point of all of the degrees up on the wall when we're not connecting with people? Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as a division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Allowing God to come in and do the precise sort of surgery that needs to happen to pick apart all the pieces of me and reveal the truth of what's happening in my heart. Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's just like a common verse that keeps coming up for a lot of our types. It's the reminder that if I don't achieve a certain level, that will have nothing to do with Christ's love for me. And if Christ loved me just as I was, I remember someone telling me once that when Jesus was dying on the cross, he had my face right there, right as I was at any given moment in my life. And for me to think about the lowest moment of my life, and there was my face right there in front of Jesus, and he still took his last breath for me. Oh, when that just gets deep in your heart, you realize it puts things into perspective. I am going to do my best. I am a two, but I'm also those wings one and three. And that three can definitely kick in. I have this inner competitive person. I will push myself because I want to be able, I don't want to just give in to discomfort. I'm going to push myself through that discomfort. I do have an athlete background, and so you just you get trained. I guess drilled into your head. You push, right? But I also know that even when as I'm pushing through, it's just more about me being able to see where can I take my body? Where can I take this as a challenge and to be able to grow and to learn? But it has nothing to do with how Christ sees me. And so it gives me an entirely different freedom in what I'm doing. Okay, so some spiritual practices. We have our downstream and our upstream practices. So downstream meaning it's a little easier for our Enneagram types to do. So for the three, what might be a little easier for you to do is have a Bible reading plan because it's structured. And threes like structure. They like a plan. Remember, set a goal, follow through, feeling a sense of accomplishment that today I was supposed to read a psalm, a proverb, and a chapter in the Old Testament, and a chapter in the New Testament, and I did it, and I can check it off my list, and I feel a sense of achievement with it. That could be really good for them. A fixed hour of prayer, the structure of prayer. Maybe for threes, you know, I want to pray in the morning, I want to pray at noon, I want to pray at the end of the day, and before I go to bed four times a day, you like the structure of that, and that helps you feel a sense of achievement at the end of the day because you hit all those marks. That is a downstream. Those are things that are easier. Now, here's the thing with fixed hour of prayer. That can also be an upstream. That can also be difficult because you have a schedule for all the times you want to pray during the day, but what if something interrupts that? You want to pray at noon. That's your next time to pray at noon. So you go and you take your lunch break and you're going to sit down and you have this routine and you're going to have, you're going to eat your food and you're going to pray 
and your coworker comes and sits down and starts chatting away. And she just keeps chatting. And she just keeps chatting. And you're sitting there and you're just fuming because this is your time to pray. You're interrupting my time to pray. Do you see how the three has confused things a little bit? It became more about the achievement than the person. Maybe all those fixed hours times of prayer was actually leading up to this lunchtime moment of this person sitting down to chat. And there's a question that maybe needs to be asked or something for you to listen to and be able to encourage and to minister. But you missed it because it became more about meeting the goal and the achievement. So that can also be an upstream. And confession. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And this reminds us that God is enough. Here's the thing. There is healing that comes directly from God. And then there is healing. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Here are those steps. So, and what's the outcome? So that you may be healed. This place of confession, this place of being vulnerable, of being able to say, I'm having a hard time because I feel like I'm just one of many, and I'm realizing it's wreaking havoc on me right now. Being able to be vulnerable and confess that will open the door for healing to come in. Okay, some daily practices. Daily practices that we can do. Silence, solitude, and reflection. Silence, solitude, and reflection. Basically, putting the brakes on life. And just take a moment, and all the work that we're doing to try and get to those high levels of accomplishment, let's just take a break, let's stop working, and let's listen to what God is telling us. Sometimes our body is aching. Sometimes we start getting a lot of headaches. I'm tired. Your body is trying to tell you something. Take a moment to actually listen to that. Have at least one trusted friend that you allow to be real with you. And remember, disclaimer, when they are real with you, do not hurt them so that they can continue to be that friend to you. Do not bring work with you on vacations, breaks, and days off. Let your Sabbath actually be your Sabbath. I can't tell you how many times people call a Sabbath a Sabbath, and it's not a Sabbath. They're working. And that can be really hard, even like for people in ministry, I'm just going to say. That can be really hard because this is for the Lord. He, well, he took a Sabbath. How many times do we see those examples of Jesus walking away to be alone? If Jesus, this is my motto, if Jesus needed to do it, who am I to think that I don't need to do it? That was the Son of God right there. Take a Sabbath and let your work be. It will it pile up? Well, when I come back, it's going to be piled up. Maybe, but your mind will be fresher. You'll have some perspective. You'll actually leave some space for the Holy Spirit to speak into that and bring some creativity. Uh-oh. Am I in trouble? Challenge your definition of success. I want to be successful. So what does that look like? That would be my question if we were sitting down at coffee. I want to be successful. I'm getting ready to wait. Um, you know, students getting ready to go away to college, and I just want to be a successful doctor. All right, what does that look like? 
Half the time, they really don't have an answer. What does that look like? I want to be successful in ministry, work with interns. I want to come in, I want to be in ministry, and I want to be successful. Well, what does that look like? Uh, I want to pastor a church. Okay. Let's say that doesn't happen. Would that mean that you are not a success? Redefine success. Ask yourself why your view of success looks the way it does. Is that because it's something that your parents told you growing up? Did you hear that as a message somewhere, that this is what success means? What does God say? What does he say success will look like in your life? And then last, ways to show love to a three. Don't waste their time. Be on time. Let me tell you, because they've put work into their time with you. Uh, this friend that I have, she also comes from an athletic background, and she's been working with me, because uh, I'm doing these hikes, and she's been working with me on just the proper way of using weights. And I um, have with like, minor arthritis in my neck, and so I get really nervous when I have to do any kind of weight work because I know that that can cause some real damage, and I already have some issues there, and I want to be careful. And so she's been really working with me on like the proper form and how to lift and all of that. And I really make an effort to be, she's not the type, she's a healthy, in a healthy place. She's not going to get mad at me. But I already know the work that she put in before I get to her house. And she's there, and she has her notebook, and she has her phone, and she has the videos that I can take with me so that when now I'm at home doing it, I can watch these videos and mimic the right thing. And she puts on her little notes thing that we share, what we did, how many sets, how many reps. Like, she did all this work. She's like my personal trainer, but for free. And I know that. So the way I'm going to show love to her and honor her is that I'm going to be on time. I'm not going to waste her time. I'm going to take this seriously. Have it... Um, Oh, affirm who they are, not just what they do. And we've said this before with the others. It's great. Celebrate what they've done when there's been a huge accomplishment. That's amazing. That's great. But make sure that even more than that, you are affirming who they are. I love you as a person. I love the heart that God has given you. I love the, the, the love that is in you. I love your passion for Christ. Tell them that you love them for who they are. And then the last one, remind, remind them that they don't have to achieve or earn your love. They don't have to. You, you're, there, you're their friend just because of who they are, not because of what they do for you. And if for some reason something were to happen and whatever they're doing for you, they can't do it anymore, if she happened to say, you know what, schedule's changing, she does a lot of traveling for her work, I'm not going to be able to help you with this anymore, I'm so sorry. Girl, I still love you. We're still good. You're my girl. Nothing changes. Remind them of that. Don't assume that they know that. Actually verbalize and remind them of that. Does that all make sense? All right. Do we have the lyrics of that song? Perfect. Okay. Uh-oh, we missed something. Okay, now that you've learned this about the three, I'm going to read these, these lyrics to you. So just close your eyes and take this in. Take these hands. I know they're empty, but with you they can be used for beauty in your perfect plan. All I am is yours. 
take these feet. I know they stumble, but you use the weak. You use the humble. So please use me. All I am is yours. I give you all my life. I'm letting it go. All that achievement, I'm letting it go. A living sacrifice, no longer my own. All I am is yours. All I am is yours. Take this heart, set it on fire, shine it in the dark. I want to tell the world of who you are. All I am is yours. I give you all my life. I'm letting it go. I live in sacrifice, no longer my own. All I am is yours. I give you everything. To you I belong. Every beat of my heart, that's our longing. The breath in my lungs, that's what sustains us. All I am is yours. I lift up my hand, I lift my hands up. God, I surrender all of our works. I surrender all that I am for your glory, your honor, your faith. I lift up my hands. God, I surrender to you. I give you all my life. I'm letting it go. I live in sacrifice, no longer my own. All I am is yours. I give you everything. To you I belong. Every beat of my heart, the breath in my lungs, all I am is yours. You know, I always find it really uh, cool when the Holy Spirit connects something that, I mean, there was no planning with Santosh to sing that particular song in connection with what Brenda was teaching tonight on, on the Achiever. Um, so I don't want you guys to miss stuff like that because sometimes God uses all parts of why we're together um, to actually speak a message of his kindness, his goodness, his affirmation to us. <coughs> and, oh, <laughs> um, Brenda, your mic's still on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not a problem. Um, also, I just want to encourage y'all that uh, keep digging into this material. It's, well, let me ask a question. How many of you have found yourself facing uh, opportunities to handle something differently because of what you're learning. How many of you found that? You know, and I find myself challenged, like I would probably say with the girls in the office with Celeste and Tracy, I'm constantly soliciting their input now. Where before I would have been like, I think I know what I want to do. Now I'm, hey girls, what do you think about this? Um, I kind of feel this way about it. Should I feel that way about it? And they're, I find they're both peacemakers, so they're tempering the challenger in me, and they're speaking a different language or a different way of handling stuff. Um, it's transitioning, transforming how I'm behaving at home. And I'm hoping that's what's happening for all of you. That's why we're doing this. We're not doing it to learn the Enneagram. That's actually the lowest portion of all that we're doing. We're le learning it to discover how God actually designed us and how to be really comfortable in our own skin and willing to grow within how he actually designed us. That's the goal, to become the best Christ follower in how he wired you, to not try to be somebody else, somebody you aren't. And I've just found it really, really refreshing personally. It's been a fun study, difficult, because I find myself challenging myself all the time with what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, what's motivating me to do it. And I'm hoping that all of you are finding it encouraging that way also. Now, I do want to take this opportunity to tell on my wife and children because she mentioned Sabbath and they all look over at me. I'm like, that's not nice because Achiever's fairly high for me. I'm like, you guys are breaking the ground rules. You're not allowed to pick on me. You know, that's, 
but but it is true that I don't turn off very well. And so it's like they're not doing it to try to roast me, but I don't ignore stuff like that now. Before I'd have been like, you don't know. You don't know the demand on me. You kind of get arrogant about it. And the truth is I'm missing opportunities with them if I let everything else drive me too hard. Now that might not be your particular pressure, it's mine, but you have to discover what yours are because they're triggers for every single one of us for why we do different things. So that's all I have to say. Brenda, thank you. Could we give her a round?